We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. If you're an artist struggling to be heard, to stand out, to get attention, then you're going to love this episode because I'm going to teach you how to eliminate all of your competition and shine like the sun. That sounds fun. Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music industry. Leverage is what you're going to need, people. This is all about helping artists like you reframe your brain, rewire everything so that you are honoring the digital platform and you're not stuck trying to make really cool broadcast tricks work on a digital platform because they don't. And when you get the momentum, you get the leverage. When you get the leverage, you get everything that you want coming to you. That's where the money and the traffic comes from. That's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxternum from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he connects you with the pros and not for nothing. People getting cuts from these connections now, which is awesome. Lots of holes, lots of stuff going on. So you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's complicated, but thankfully, you know, Johnny's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other. Johnny D. Yes. A lot of people thanking <laughs> God for that right now, I can tell you. <laughs> I'll give you a few more of you around. <laughs> well, listen, y'all, we got some good stuff to cover here today. I mean, we're going to talk about positioning, okay? We're going to talk about positioning and, and, and what that means to artists, and mm-hmm. you're going to hate me for saying this, and you're going to want to put me on a cross for saying this, but it, it, it's what it means to products in the marketplace. And yes, you're a product. You have to realize that. It's not a bad thing. And when you think about it like that, you'll make good decisions. But how are you positioning yourself in the marketplace? Are you a, a, like a me too kind of an artist? And I don't mean like me too movement. I mean, are, are you a cookie cutter or something else? Are you mm-hmm. a new and improved version of something that already exists? Are you a complementary artist that works with something else that already exists? With some thought towards positioning, if you are intentional and put some energy towards this, you can create your own lane with little or ideally no traffic, meaning little or no competition. That's what we're going to talk about today. Nice. It makes me think of the, uh, that song by Billy Joel, The Entertainer. 
He goes, uh-huh. uh, but if I go cold, I won't get sold. I get put in the back in the discount rack like another can of beans. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Billy Joel knows it's true. Well, so he knows what's going on. It's exactly right. He knows what's going on. So uh, before we get to that, though, let's take care of a little business. As always, we're extremely proud to be a part of American Songwriter Magazine's podcast network. Guys, this is a 36-year-old brand name that has been around with putting big rock stars and all the best writers you can imagine on the front mm-hmm. cover and having those kinds of interviews, and, and we get to be a part of it. We're super stoked. If if you have been a climber for going on six years now, mm-hmm. go check out some of the other shows that are on this on this podcast network. They're amazing. You can find it at americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast. If you found us on American Songwriter, Welcome to the climb. We're happy to have you here. And there, first of all, there's 15 shows on there, so that makes it a little tricky. Mm. There's a lot of work to do, but thankfully, they help you out with the Suncast, right, Brent? Tell them about That's that. That's right. So, wouldn't it be amazing if there were a curation of the top five podcasts every Sunday from the American Songwriter Podcast Network? Well, guess what? There is. So, if you want the top five podcast episodes from the American Songwriter Podcast Network delivered to your inbox every Sunday, then you should subscribe to the Suncast newsletter by visiting americansongwriter.com slash suncast. Now that's S-U-N as in Sunday cast. So every Sunday they send you, they curate the top five, what they feel are the most valuable for you, and they zip them right into your inbox if you subscribe there. Uh, We love seeing ourselves in there quite a bit, which is fun. Uh, and there's also other good stuff in there. So you can, again, subscribe to that. It didn't cost you anything. It's not like a magazine subscription, just an email subscription at americansongwriter.com forward slash suncast, cast, S-U-N, cast. C-A-S-T, perfect. Yep. And uh, join the Climb community, guys, if you haven't done so already. It's at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. I've been missing that, by the way, for I don't know how long now. I forget the groups part. Oh, I do too. Yeah, that I'm a I'm a tool. I I, I noticed that the other day. I'm like, oh no. It's uh, <laughs> like I gotta change some stuff. I think already. Yes, this is a thriving community of singers, songwriters, indie artists, musicians, people, industry people that are in this. Managers, A and R people. We got lots of pros that are that are in this community, guys, and you can get help from these people. We're we're getting co-writes that are set up that are resulting in cuts, that are resulting in sinks, which means that are resulting in a check, which Mm -hmm. is good, okay? And people asking questions, I tried this, I tried that with promo, and then people coming in with answers from the community. Everybody's there to help one another. We want to hear all about your wins, your gigs, your music. We want to listen to everything. You just got to put it in the right place, okay? Because I've been, I've been, let me tell you something, I have been, what was his name in Roadhouse? Uh, Patrick Swayze's name? Oh, uh, was it Dalton? Dalton. Yeah. I thought you'd be taller. I get that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Dalton. Don't because you're pretty tall. <laughs> no, I don't. That's right. I am tall. And yeah. I spot myself. Uh, I'm sorry. Janelle bought me a pair of cowboy boots. So I got heels. I got my heels on too. Oh my so goodness. I'm even taller and you add the hair. Forget about it. I'm six, five, six, six. Very, very overwhelming. <laughs> uh, if I don't say so myself. But yeah, I've been Dalton. I'm going in and I'm just getting rid of stuff that people are putting their stuff in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I take it out. We send you a nice message that says, hey, you got to put it here. You got to put it there. Um, you know, we don't want you to stop contributing, but you have to contribute in the right place. The only the main feed is just for man. if it's something that's going to contribute to everybody. And that doesn't include your music. Your music doesn't contribute to everybody. 
Okay. But if it's something about the music industry, if it's something funny, you know, like I'll put funny stuff in there that's just like mm -hmm. a musician oriented joke or whatever. I'll put that in there just to keep it interesting. And we certainly want you to contribute there. But if it's your gig, if it's your song, if it's your music video, if it's your win, we definitely want to hear about that, but we want it in the right place. We got to keep everything neat and clean. And it just, it, this is the way to run a community. And, 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 and believe me, you're, you're going to appreciate it as much as, as everybody else is too. You know what I mean? You don't want all that. That's you don't right. want the spam crap in there. You know what I mean? You want it in the no, right we way. don't, we don't spam. We jam. That's right. Um, we get some wins today. We do. So uh, every Wednesday we post the new heights post in the climb community. It's, it's where we encourage you to celebrate your, your share your music related wins and we get to celebrate along with you. So I want to share a couple of these. Uh, first one is from Sunday, Joe Graham. She says uh, this happened and she shared a screenshot of uh, basically they went through a, uh, a pitch thing to a publisher Congratulations, Aaron Kidd, who's a publisher in Nashville, is keeping songs from the following writers for a second listen. She mentioned Sunday, Joe Graham, Ryan Price, and Karen Fraden. I know Karen Fraden is, I'm not sure if she's a climber, but I know she's around the songwriting pro community and, of course, our own Sunday, Joe Graham. Um, so, kept a song. And what's cool, she said, uh, one step closer, shout out to my co-writers, Patrick Adams, Brad Hacker, and Chris Tiscarino, straight out of the song title challenge. So, they... Uh, oh, I love it. Song title challenge this sucker. And was that? Was that, was that I want. I'm going to send me flowers. I'm not sure if I can say that, but yes. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I figure it is. Oh too, shit! I'm so. sorry. I, I I thought we already kind of mentioned that or something. I'm, I'm I hope I didn't screw that up, Sunday maybe. Joe or Brad. So, forgive me. I know. Sorry for putting that out there, but <laughs> heck, we did a whole episode on it. So <laughs> I'm people, sorry. that was an idiot move. <laughs> So we did a whole uh, song title challenge on this uh, that I believe Sunday Joe sent in. And you know what? Patrick and Brad reached out to her and Chris Tiscarino and said, hey, can we write that with you? And they wrote the fire out of it. I've heard it. It's a really good song. Really cool. Yeah. And so they're starting to get some traction with it. I so, just love these yeah. these stories. It's, God, they warm the cockles of my heart. Like, I love right. it. So which makes me think, why are you not sending a song in for the song title challenge? Because songs are getting love based on these, why are you not sending one in? But anyway. Yeah. But I, and by the way, like every single one of these, if I am not mistaken, or at least every single one I am aware of where we have featured the title and song title challenge, and we've gone through our thing, uh, the co-writers who ended up writing the song did not know each other. Uh, of the ones that, Is that we right? know about that have been finished up, yeah, because I know that it was uh, always like not not random because they're climbers, so they're not random. Right. But but they're hey, one climber, hey, you don't know me from a can of paint, but I'm a climber too. I heard this and I want to write this with you. Can we do it? And they do it. Like I think of the request was like that too, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, man, y'all like. Is it just me that's like, uh, that sort of illuminates a, an excuse of I can't get to any good writers where I'm from? Exactly. Uh, yeah, if you have a great title, throw it on the song title challenge. Let us play with it. And people like come to you if it's awesome. Exactly right. You and go, oh, that was really cool. Can I write that with you? And you're like, well, I don't know. I got a couple other offers in. Yeah. And if you're a really good writer and you hear a song on song title challenge and you're like, man, I think I could write the fire out of this. Uh, there's your excuse to reach out. And say, hey, mm -hmm. I heard this amazing title. You're awesome. I love you. Love, love, love. Give, yeah. give, give. I would like to write this with you if you would like to write it with me. Would you want to do that? Like, the worst they're going to say is no, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's opening up doors for people. So we love hearing that. Uh, we have Heck another yeah. win from Will uh, Ganell. He said, I've been in con 
uh, contact with an up-and-coming local artist who is interested in performing and possibly cutting two more of my songs. Great guy, no dude. So, good job. Good job, Will. So I love now, that he said I, I, local. He's taking advantage of wherever he's from, like whatever mm-hmm. he's got going on. He's seeking that out. He's what, what do I have? This is this is coming from what does this make possible? What do I have available to me instead of here's what I don't have. And that's why I can't make anything mm-hmm. happen. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And so he's going to get some cuts. And I just had to rewrite that because I, I read that a couple times. And he says at the end, great guy, no tood as a no attitude. I was like, mm-hmm. Will, you got to say great dude, no tood. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, you you missed the rhyme, bro. Line. You missed the rhyme. Come on. I'm sorry. Because I read it as great dude, no tood like three times. And I was like, oh, no, he said great guy, which does have the alliteration, great guy. I'd go for the rhyme, great dude. No, so you dude. have like rhyme dyslexia. You see rhymes when they're not even there, when they don't even <laughs> exist. I, I read it wrong, so I'm getting in deep. Well, uh, awesome. Uh, I got I got a win too. That well, yes. kind of a, a just a cool opportunity. Um, I am flying out on a plane tomorrow. See, this is going to drop this Tuesday, right? So yes, I am. I, I, by this time, I will be back, but I am flying to Chicago to see a new artist that our good friend. Ray Hamilton hooked me up with artist by the name of Mackenzie O'Brien, who's doing uh, like this killer opening slot for a major label artist named Parker McCollum, who I believe is on MCA. It's a sold out show up in Chicago. Uh, I'm going to, and I'm just, uh, so adding value, right? I, I just had one conversation with these folks, but I'm dying to see what she's like on stage and everything. So Janelle and I are going to fly up there. And I told the father, I said, Hey, I, you know, is anybody shooting this? Because this is going to be a sold out show. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, we don't have anybody. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring my camera and I'm just going to shoot some content for you to give to you so that, because, because you can use this forever. I mean, when you get these kinds of shows where mm-hmm. you get a, a packed scene and there's a vibe happening already and all she has to go out is just flex her muscle and, and take, there's a crowd to own yeah. and, and she can own it and you can find some magic in there that can just go a long way with promo in mm-hmm. the future. So I'm just super excited about going to see her sing. And I've heard a number of different people mention her. And and oddly enough, she knows my old drummer, J-Mo, that I toured there with. Because they're from Chicago. So she's actually played uh, up in Lake Geneva. And J-Mo was at a winery that she was at one time and just walked up and introduced himself and said, hey, man, my name's J-Mo. And I, you know, I used to do this and that. I was with the Allman Brothers for a while and blah, blah, blah. I'm out Bon Jovi now. I just want to tell you you're born to do this. Don't stop. That's, that's what wow. he said, you know? That's cool. And uh, yeah, so that's awesome. So I'm, I'm excited. So anyway, that's Johnny, a win for Johnny. We need to get you a shirt that says promo sapien. Oh, promo sapien. I like that. There you go. <laughs> I, when I was in Denmark, I bought a shirt from this record store and the record store was called record pusher. <laughs> and nice. I guess like uh, XLs in Denmark are different than XLs in uh uh-huh. in in America because because it don't fit like <laughs> I look like Philip Seymour Hoffman and freaking Boogie Nights or something with that shirt and it's an XL I'm like come on man <laughs> bro yeah if there's one Americans excel at XL yeah so, oh there you go like, we for sure know how to put yeah so. Well, there we go. Okay, so then just, guys, follow the podcast or subscribe to it, depending on what platform you are. And most important, and y'all have been doing a good job of this because we've seen the numbers, like, definitely jump up here. Uh-huh. Uh, tell somebody about it. If you're spending this kind of time with us, it's because you're getting some kind of value. That's the most precious resource you have. The only way that you would 
possibly trade that with us is because we're delivering something that is useful to you. And that's what it's intended to do. We're very grateful for your time, but tell somebody else about it. Let them know exactly what it means to you, what you're getting out of it and, and turn them on to it too, because uh, help us help you help them. Right. That's right. All right. Let's get into it. We let's get like into it. Let's do Oh this. my gosh. We got a lot to talk about here. So we talked about positioning here back when, when there was only two choices to listen to music, guys, there was a time before streaming. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you either had to listen to what you purchased or you listened to the radio. You could have a knockdown, drag out hit song. And if you got it on the radio, it could work miracles. It was so powerful mm-hmm. that, we had, I mean, we had multitudes of of a phenomenon that we call one hit wonders, where wow. the, the song blew up. Everybody knows the song, but nobody knows the artist. Yeah, because they didn't have a second or third release that even came close to that uh, for whatever reason. And there's a million reasons why that happens. It's not just yeah. one. It's not because the song sucked or whatever. But but bottom line being that it was just so powerful. And even in the industry, they, they would be like, "Oh, who was that? Who sang that?" You know, these are people that. And basically, unless you worked on that project, you don't, you don't remember. Yeah. The song came first on broadcast platforms. That's how that worked. And I'm not speaking about like what's most important to anyone here. Like if I was to say family comes first, mm. I'm speaking just very, very, very literally in the order of which in, the, in which music fans are turned on to a new artist. So I'm speaking about protocol. Mm-hmm. When you write a book, you don't start with the decisions on the book cover and who's going to print it and the kind of paper stock it's going to be on. All right. You start with an outline, right? And then mm-hmm. you take that skeleton and try to put some meat on the bone and flesh it out to a book. And then you have a manuscript and it gets edited and refined and into the final manuscript. Then it gets published. And then you start making marketing decisions on the book cover. Is it going to be hardcover, paperback, or both, blah, blah, blah. This is the protocol, right? This is the arrangement. This is the sequence. This is the chain of events, the progression, or what I want to talk about is the path to market. And it's always the same when it comes to books that are going through a publisher. And it was always the same when it comes to a song and an artist being a a new artist being put forth into a marketplace. And and the same thing goes for products. Like if you think about an iPhone, okay, the path to market mm-hmm. starts with the idea. Then they go and they create the blueprint. Okay. The 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 connections are all made. I've seen all this by the way. I've been had front row seats to this, okay, where it just looks like a bunch of spaghetti everywhere. And they're like, okay, here's the chip, here's this, here's the circuit. This is what's going in and out of this is the logic, blah, blah, blah. Then they they make that into a prototype. They make it into about probably about 15 prototypes. And those are the most expensive little iPhone boards you've ever seen because there's only 15 of them. They debug them, they rework them, refine them, goes into manufacturing. Then it's marketing and sales. That's the sequence, right? Yeah. In the old music business here, because of that sequence, don't get me wrong, brand mattered in the sense that the curtains had to match the carpeting. Okay. So the artist brand, the artist look, and the artist's sound all had to be consonant. They all had to match and sort of say the same thing, or it's going to confuse music consumers and the artists wouldn't break through, right? Yeah. Like if, if you are dressed up like a Rastafarian and singing uh, Celine Dion songs, it, it, initially it just might not work. It's it, You're going to be expecting something else when you see it, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I'm not telling you something that you don't know here, but it's important to understand and realize that the branding came second in a sense because the, it, it came after the song. Yeah. Okay, it mattered after the song, after the debut single. We talked about like Celine Dion wearing Guns N' Roses stuff. 20 yeah. years later on Oprah, that's adorable because we know the brand. But initially, if she looks like that, it's, I don't know it's what to think. Yeah. I don't know what to think, right? What am I? What is it? What is the party like? I don't understand. Today, have you ever seen, the, have you ever seen those um, when people recut a trailer to make like the Tobey Maguire Spider Man look like a stalker movie? You know, and they'll they'll yes. recut a trailer, oh. and it's and they totally change it from no longer is indicative of what the movie really is, but cast it as a horror movie yep. or something like that. And that's what that's what you can do if the curtains don't match the carpet, that's, right? That's a brilliant analogy. So, like the yeah, like the cut, the video cut is the same. They're changing the sound design, sound design, and picking different moments to make it yeah. look like, oh, this isn't a superhero movie. This is a horror movie or this isn't a <laughs> rom-com. This guy doesn't love her. He's stalking her or whatever. Yeah. And so it that, totally throws you off, right? That's it. And so all of a sudden you get the wrong idea and you're not sure what to think. And so on digital now, because, because we all have to exist and we're all going to have to break on a digital platform, we have to learn how to honor that digital platform. The brand comes first. The brand comes before the song. Consumers have to understand like who you are and what you stand for before they're going to believe in you or your product, which is your music. Yes, your music mm-hmm. is a product. Right. Okay, can of beans. Can of beans. There we go. Right. So brand is super important, and it's so important now. It's overworked, and everybody just like it's the most cliche thing because people say brand and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Even yeah. right. The artist is super important because they come first in the path to market a song on a digital platform. Artist brand and or the content first, then the song comes. But when the song comes, how are you positioned in the marketplace? This is the Mm -hmm. question that I want to ask. The successful artist absolutely needs to think about how they're positioning themselves Because the positioning will determine how much competition there is in your lane. Mm -hmm. Okay. So back to kind of what I said at the beginning, do you think of yourself as an improved product, right? Are you better than the competition in the sense that you're a better version of something that's already out there? Mm -hmm. And more importantly, this is take a deep breath here. What do other people, how do they view your work? Yeah. Do they think you're a different version of something? And I say different version intentionally. Is it a better different version or a, a lesser different version of something that's the already knockoff. Yeah. out there? Yeah, like a Me Too product, right? Like yeah. there it is. So, Oh, that's <clears throat> a poor man's Lady Gaga or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Exactly. So, so you know, the from the choice of George Strait. There you go. So if you're if you're – if you're an artist, I mean, why would you want to compete? Why would you want to set yourself up to be perceived as competing in the marketplace so that you would have to be better than Garth Brooks or mm-hmm. better than Celine Dion or better than Adele or Aerosmith or Jay-Z or Eminem, etc.? You want to be, and I know this is true for every artist, the best in your lane or an even better situation would be the only one Mm -hmm. in your lane. Okay. And so this is about 
positioning, okay? And I, I think this is huge because as, remember we, we've talked about Predictably Irrational, that book mm-hmm. uh, by Daniel Ariely before in this podcast, right? And the, the thought process behind this book is as consumers, we love to think that we shop with common sense, with uh, research, and with facts and reason, and we make rational decisions. But the reality is, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, we shop on comparison. Okay, so if I was to ask your average person, not a mechanic, but your average person, what's the difference between a six and maybe even in some cases a mechanic? Okay, what's the difference between a six cylinder engine and an eight cylinder engine? They're going to say, well, eight cylinders, two more cylinders, bigger engine, more power, uh, you know, all that. And so therefore, can do more things. And then you talk to a Lotus Esprit mechanic and he's going to be like, well, this little four banger will kick the crap out of your eight cylinder heavy metal car and sick, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what? And so it, it's in in terms of that, if you understand as artists, the, the corollary here, the metaphor I'm trying to make is we believe that consumers are going to make their decisions on us based on logic, reason, research. I'm a better artist. So therefore I have to shine above the din. Yeah. But that's not how it works. It's positioning that makes it work, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is so huge. Like just to revisit one of the big stories from that book and predictably irrational, the bread maker at Williams Sonoma, where they came out with a a bread maker. They'd never had a bread maker on the shelves before this one Christmas. It was a $250 bread maker. They put it in all the stores. They had all this product built, ready to sell. They're going to sell it on Christmas. And they didn't sell hardly any at all. Mm -hmm. And so they freaked out because they got this huge investment already in the product. It's sitting there now on the shelf, rotting away. Like, what do we do with this? And they had a consulting company. They come in and they said, we've got your answer. And they said, what is it? And they're like, you need a $400 bread maker. (laughs) <laughs> They're like, we're not selling the $200 bread maker. Yeah. How the hell are we going to sell a $400 bread maker? Nobody wants to buy it for 250 bucks. And they said, that's because nobody has anything to compare it to. Yeah. So there's no positioning for that product. And they said, you're just going to, you know, you're going to sell a couple $400 ones. Don't get us wrong. But mm-hmm. mainly it's a decoy to show them what a bread maker could cost. And this one makes a lot of sense. And, and then next Christmas, they sold out all those bread makers because of positioning had not the same product in the same boxes from the same manufacturer at the same time, mm-hmm. but Different it moved lane. wide. It had but, a yeah. lane now. Yeah. Yeah. Now it had a lane. They created a lane and they created some stuff around. So like on the artist level, uh, I don't remember if I ever told you this, but one time, like I get hit up all the time on DMS and stuff from all different genres, all different kinds of people. And I get this rapper guy that hits me up and he's like, let's work, man. I want to work with you. And I was just like, okay, like which, and I'm looking at his, Name in, in on his like thing is his name is like Fetty Wap Johnson. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end. What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
Climbers, do you have a groundbreaking song that the world needs to hear? Enter your song today in American Songwriters 2021 Song Contest to win $10,000 promotion across American Songwriter and a co-publishing deal with Live by Live. Get your songs in front of the contest judges who are also number one artists like Paul Stanley from Kiss. I love that. Vance Joy and Martina McBride, along with top A&R executives such as the senior VP of A&R at Atlantic Records and BBR Music Group. Go to americansongwriter.com forward slash song dash contest to enter. Again, that's americansongwriter.com slash song dash contest to enter. And if you use the coupon code CLIMB, all capital letters, C-L-I-M-B, you'll save 10% on your contest entry. No reason not to do it now, guys. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, remember the story, dude? Yeah, and I'm just like, well, first, brother, I can't help you out until you got to find a different name. You're, there's already a Fetty one. Oh, that guy, like, screw that guy. He gets all pissed off, you know? He's like, yeah. that guy's nothing. Like, dude. And, and the reason I'm saying this, I'm, I, I am goofing on this guy because this is just completely insane to, to name right. yourself and put a different last name on it and think that that's going to separate you in the marketplace from this other yeah. artist. But he's comparing himself to Fetty. That's clearly the guy he wants to fashion himself after. But I, artists do this. We do this, right? Like this mm-hmm. is what we do in our own heads. And so how are you going to separate it? So I wanted to talk about some of the artists that are out there and the, and the success that they're having on a big level and on a smaller level, because it's based on, on positioning, okay? Mm-hmm. How about Leah Turner the other day? Okay, yeah. Right? So you and I interviewed her. To the uh, video content challenge. Yep, this past Friday. So this is Leah Turner, who's getting a lot of love, mm-hmm. a lot of traffic, a lot of press. I'm talking like People Magazine. Like, she's mm-hmm. been on some major publications and some like Grammys ones to watch kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A lot of industry attention. Why? Because she's taking, I don't even know how to properly articulate this, but it's like Southwestern or Mexican music or Tejano yeah, like maybe like Latin a Latin kind of, yeah. thing. And in Latin's a better way to do it and infusing yeah. it with country music. Mm-hmm. So raise your hand and tell me another artist who has that kind of a sound. Right. right now, we've had artists that have gone down that road for a song. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think what, what's the Brooks and Dunn song I'm thinking of? That's like uh, that. probably My Maria. Yeah, my yeah yeah yeah. At least My the Maria. video went there. You know, is sonically, but yeah, country guys will often hit some of that kind of Latin kind of stuff. But you got a bunch of you know white dudes doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and she's but she's you know second generation Mexican American or you know she's. And white, she's yeah, white dad, cowboy dad, and and first generation Mexican American mom. Like, yeah. Uh, so that's that's so. First of all, that's like we talk about brand being a DNA. That's like literally her DNA. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then also uh, now she's brought that out into the to the music. So so she already she's the only one I can think of that's in there. So she's the only one that occupies that lane. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's it's she's not drowning in in the 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 tyranny of choice. Yeah. Well, I remember when she came out um, a few years ago. Like she had a deal on Sony for a hot minute. And she had a top 40 uh, with, I mm-hmm. think, Take the Keys. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing about her because I remember Jesse Frazier is a guy that I know that was like his first production gig, major production gig. And I was like, oh, Leah Turner, you know, it's like young blonde singer. 
Young blonde country yeah. singer, great. But it yep. kind of went to the young blonde country singer, a little different because a personal relationship with Jesse, yep. uh, like caught my attention. But yep. boy, you're in that lane with Carrie Underwood, Miranda Lambert. Now Miranda and Carrie aren't in the same lane, but still, if you, you know, Gabby Barrett, you, all these people, like, huh? Okay, okay, young blonde country singer, go. Oh yes, yeah. all of them. <laughs> pow 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 pow. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But now, like, oh, Leah Turner, she mixes Latin and country, and you know, they're here and there. There's some people, but nobody's owns that lane. Nobody owns yeah. that lane. And that's a recent, uh, you know, relatively recent. Like she wasn't in that lane on Sony, right? Correct. That's your point. So here's here's this a this, I, okay. I didn't even know this. So this is great because here you have a competitive artist. This girl knows how to make the freaking donuts, man. She yeah. knows exactly what she's doing. She knows exactly how to do it. So much so that she got a major label deal, and they mm -hmm. had a hard time breaking her because how do you? She's a young blonde singer. How do you? What's the okay. difference? Yeah. What's different? I don't know what this is. So that goes over in this pile here, but I already have my favorites in this pile. Now right. she's created a brand new pile and there's only one, one artist in that stack and that's her. And that makes it a binary choice. It's not like, oh, what good country female song am I going to put in rotation? Right. Am I going to yep. do Carrie Underwood's? Am I going to do Kelsey Ballerini's? Am I going to do, you know, blonde, young country singer, whatever, or Leah Turner? Oh, well, now it becomes because they're all kind of, you know, they each have their own flavor, but they're generally, you know, country, good country songs. Okay, now you have, or generally kind of pop country songs. Miranda kind of her own thing because she'll do the not pop country version, mm -hmm. right? She has her own lane. But over here, yeah, okay, but now it becomes, oh, well, Leah Turner is like, do I want to play this type of thing or not? This type of thing, not yeah. just do I want to play hers or somebody else's version of this. It becomes binary, yes or no. Yeah, there's no question. In the binary pile, then just like, oh, you're going to pick me or Carrie Underwood's new single to play. There's no competition. There's no relationships that you're putting yourself up against. So this is very intentional and brilliant. Okay, so if you haven't mm -hmm. checked out Leah Turner, go check her out. Yeah, um, and it's authentic. The one of the biggest success stories is this, Taylor Swift. Yeah. You know, Taylor Swift was the first young country artist. Well, the first country artist, period, who also happened to be young, that wrote songs speaking to teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I remember when um, Leanne Rimes came out at like 13 or 14, right? Yeah. With Blue. But that was yep. very old school country yep. yodeling. And it was young music. And that was a big deal that she was so young. And then they compared her to Tanya Tucker, who came out. You know, with Delta Dawn, at, which Delta so Dawn, I, which she was super young. But yeah, Leanne's stuff wasn't speaking to, and of course, even if she had been, that would have been a, a generation before. She wasn't speaking to that experience the way Taylor did. They're both successful, both great at what they do, but Taylor spoke the language and really connected in a in a different kind of way to these are my people. To a whole, yeah, to a whole audience that was listening to the music but wasn't being addressed. They were underserved. They were yeah. uh, not underserved. They were not oh, served. They were underage and underserved. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and you know, for Tanya Tucker, I mean, that was the thing. Delta Dawn. Uh, she re she recorded it when she was thirteen. It was released when she was fourteen, but it was not a song written for teenagers or about mm -hmm. teenagers. It was just sung by one brilliantly, yeah. and. Yeah. And of course, she's a national treasure. But the point being that th this didn't happen before. So Taylor goes and does that. And all of a sudden, there's nobody else doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very clear. 
what's wow this is a look at this this is amazing she's talking about high school and lockers and classrooms and and mm -hmm. and romance high school romance you know you wear short skirts i wear sneakers you're cheer captain and i'm on the bleachers that's man that is school you know that yeah, is sure very young lyrics and very intentional brilliant you know what um, it reminds me of so when you get kids and you go to like the community easter egg hunt and yeah. so they got this field full of Easter eggs. They're not even hiding them. It's like thousands of Easter eggs. Big field, like we did one at the Nashville Zoo. You know, we took our kids and they divide you up by age group. Like the little kids get like the head start. Yeah. Right. Before the other big kids come in and just plow everything. So they're like, you know, you got three minutes. Go. And there's those little kids because it's blue ocean, right? There's no, yeah. nobody else. And it's just. They start gobbling it up before the big kids come in and, and get everything. And that's kind of how it is when, like, Taylor, she was the first one in and could just, man, just had a big old basket with just chunking eggs in it. Yeah. Because there's nobody out there competing for those those eggs being the fans that that music resonates with. And then all Blue of a sudden you had a, you had a, it looked like the, uh, the Real Slim Shady video with all these blonde girls with sundresses and cowboy boots, like, storming the gates of Nashville going – I'm the next Taylor Swift. That's yep. sweet, but we got one, and she's pretty darn good. She's got yeah. this on lockdown. Yeah, and you're so far behind. It's not even. But I mean, th and that's exactly. And Blue Ocean here, like just to just to for those of you who don't understand the reference, uh, I know you've all heard it a million times. But Blue Ocean is like a, a brand new product in a brand new ocean, and then as soon as it comes out and it does really well, then all the Me Too products come in, and all the sharks come in, and the uh, and the water turns red. It's a red ocean, right? So it becomes super competitive and super hard to be seen because it's just nothing but blood and guts everywhere because everybody trying to mm -hmm. compete with everybody you know so that's the blue ocean versus the red ocean and you're absolutely right about that another one florida georgia line uh mm -hmm. you know was so new in the way that they were sort of the, the presenting the lyrics and the way that they were presenting their art in country music that y'all they were passed on every record label twice and they came with a pedigree from one of the biggest hit songwriters nashville's ever seen a, a treasure with mm -hmm. with craig wiseman and joey moya hit producer uh they had all the relationships all the love all the power all the money that mm -hmm. they needed behind them and nobody cared in the beginning why because it was too different yeah well i think of garth brooks right now his uh, thinking of garth brooks and his live show now he straight up admits he's like I stole Chris Ledoux's live show, and yeah. Chris, you know, was huge out west and with the rodeo scene, country, but he was not a mainstream artist. Yeah, and you know, Gar said, you know, uh, I heard him speaking on one of his video things or whatever that you know they had opened his first band opened up for for Chris Ledoux, so he's like, hey, this is rodeo guy, cow, by God, cowboy, let's keep it, let's keep a cowboy fellow. So they stood up there and they sang and they strummed, and then he hit the stage and just everything ex exploded. Like yep. total rock and roll energy with these country songs and a light bulb goes off now, you know, and so Garth incorporated that. So when he came out, he was like the only major artist doing that. People would like, you know, he's getting major radio airplay on songs like if tomorrow never comes or whatever. And, and then you show up and it's just rock and roll energy with friends in low places and, and all this stuff. You're like, I've never seen this before. And because yep. there wasn't now, he ended up helping Chris get the record deal, and Chris became a, a good sized mainstream star. But like, there was no one else quite occupying that lane of what Garth was doing live show. Yeah, and and by the way, like just to to circle back around to that, uh, to add to that, when Garth popped, I was an artist. 
I was on mm. tour and I remember seeing news coverage of him on the local NBC station because people were freaking out over Garth Brooks uh, 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 like they were the Beatles or whatever. Like they were. Yeah. And we, we were watching TV and the bands looking at TV. We we're like, look at this. Look at that guy. Like he looks like he could, you know, he's like looks looks like my plumber. Like, <laughs> I mean, this doesn't fit your rock and roll that your your star look at all. Yeah. He's like this chubby guy, average looking. Like, I, and what what the hell is what are yeah. we looking at right now? What is happening? How is this guy so he guys he was positioned so well and and you're you're right the live show is what did that you know a rock and roll story behind that same type of track which was and i'm just going to take away from the art a little bit i mean because because garth is is a crooner man and yeah. amazing and also uh um you know the songs just were Ooh. yeah oh my god unbelievable right but kiss Another mm -hmm. kind of yeah. they position themselves first guys out with the kabuki makeup. A lot of people don't know this, but they originally had a, a deal uh, with the major label. It was the record was recorded. It was on like manufactured on pallets, shrink wrapped uh, pallets, ready to be shipped out to the record label or to the record stores. And then all of a sudden, somebody at the label is like, "What the hell are we doing? This is the dumbest thing." We, like let's get the hell out and neil bogart came in and bought that out and picked them up oh, wow. and and it was their live show because musicianship wise they were like seriously less than mediocre not even yeah. mediocre uh and song wise they had a couple good songs but it they, these were not knock down drag out hit songs the phenomenon was the live show and by the way first proof of that is the first three records which they were trying so hard to make Kiss happen. The first three Kiss releases happened within the span of 13 months. Oh, wow. Right? The first Kiss release, Kiss, came out in February of 1974. The third Kiss release, which was Dressed to Kill, came out in March of 1975. Hmm. Okay? Then April, May, June, July, August, September, six months later, Alive comes out. Hmm. Because people were going to see the band on the live show, didn't yeah. give a crap about the, uh, you know, they weren't getting spins on the radio. The records were not selling, but people were digging the live show. And then when they released the live record, boom, it just exploded, right? Because they took what was happening, but that was positioned as this stuff we've never seen before in a live show, right? Mm -hmm. How about <clears throat> what happens if you reposition uh, or do some deep thinking on positioning when you're already an established brand? Kenny Chesney. Oh, yeah. Like he, yeah. he started blowing up when he found the beach, you know, because yep. for a while, you know, he was, he was like generic, kind of generic. I mean, good songs. I like the songs. But just but another no, singer with, another with, the, with a song act, about a tractor. Another 90s hat act, right? And this is before yeah. tractor. And then he kind of became, uh, I kind of made the joke about, you know, Tim McGraw was already huge. And then Kenny's coming up doing some like similar type stuff. I used to joke that, you know, Tim McGraw would look at Kenny and call him Kenny me. You know, like mini me, but you know, yeah. so he kind of had that thing. Like, kinda, and he was, his star was rising, consistently good songs. He's growing, but man, when he's when he found the beach, he got some, some sand between his toes, and then he started having that lane. Oh, country Jimmy Buffett, and and so much of what he does is like the nostalgia, like Boys of Fall, you know, these yep. kind of looking back songs, and then also like the beach type stuff, and that gave him a place on the shelf that nobody else was uh, other artists a, a were place in the mind 
of the consumer, some right. free space in the mind of the consumer. I'm not amongst all this clutter over here, even after I've got all these number ones. Right. Exactly. He was having hits. But I remember, I mean, he was had a big hit with uh, How Forever Feels. And that was one of the first ones where, like, he started getting aquatic in the video a little bit of snorkeling and some stuff. Like, oh, look mm. at that. That's a little different. And then it just, this progression. Aquatic. And then, because <laughs> yeah. he was snorkeling. But it gave him a spot. Now, other artists had done some beachy type songs here and there because Buffett's been huge and a cultural phenomenon, you know, just a legend yeah. for years. But nobody was consistently fishing in those waters, you know, yep. and then it gave him a spot and boom. There we and, go. The, and 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 that, and that that took him from being like a, a chart topping country star amongst all these other chart topping country stars to literally an icon and a superstar. Yeah, to a superstar. To to an arena. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, a stadium act. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes I can, it, it's, it, it's easier to kind of get your head around what we're talking about if we're not putting all of our examples like in the lane that you're in as an artist. So I'm going to take a second, just sidestep here. And I want to talk about like my number one client right now, not a music artist. It's a, uh, it's a company called F- Financial Stidham, which is mm-hmm. a retirement and estate planning company. Okay. And positioning is exactly how this works. So first of all, we've got Daniel and Angie Stidham, a married couple, and together they are the yin and the yang. They, they are absolutely brilliant together. He is what Angie calls the show pony. <clears throat> He's the face of the company. He's the brain. He likes to figure out you know, their job is to protect wealth and to help you grow wealth in retirement and to make sure you don't lose it in retirement to laws, to taxes, to this, to that, and that you pass on what you want to pass on to your children and that as much of it as humanly possible goes to your children and not somewhere else, to the courts or mm-hmm. to uh, the government, right? Um, so in 2019, and, and Angie is the glue, like she keeps the system and her show pony healthy and working, right? So she's the office manager. And I mean, all the systems in that office that make it possible for them to be consistent and do what they, to be competitive and to put out the product that they need to put out is solely on Angie's shoulders. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's like in in our, in, in the way we would understand it in the entertainment world, he, he's the star, she's the manager. Okay. Yeah. And, and they're equal. I mean, she's Colonel Parker. He's Elvis. Right. I mean, that is, they're both, they don't exist without each other. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this firm, a small family owned firm, they made a million dollars in 2019 y'all. Okay. With just 15 clients. Uh, so they like whales, right? They, they like big, complicated, sophisticated retirement plans because that's what, I mean, Daniel's brilliant. This is the stuff that turns him on. That's the puzzle he wants to solve. Okay. Um, and it ain't about the money. It's about helping people. Uh, he comes from a real story. I mean, his grandparents almost lost everything. And then their family almost lost everything on account of that just because of some stuff they weren't aware of in retirement and how Medicaid can come and grab stuff with long-term care and take assets and, and do things. You, it's, it's scary. Uh, they started working with me and we started repositioning them. Okay. And, and uh, in the marketplace and also on a new platform on the digital platform, which is largely what we're preaching these days on my episodes on the podcast mm-hmm. in 2020, y'all, we doubled that. 
Nice. Maybe $2 million in 2020 during a pandemic. Okay. And this is important because it's not the way, the, the way these, they're, all their competition works. They've been doing very much like you artists. They've been doing it the same way as they were 75 years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. They'll go and they'll buy a, a physical mailing address list. They might spend five, six grand on that to get 20 physical mailing addresses. They'll print up a mailer and pay to send that mailer out. And that mailer is an invitation to a live event where they're going to give you a free stake and they're going to go up and explain how they can help you save your money, grow your retirement account and take care of you and your nest egg in retirement. And then after all of that, they're going to probably drop somewhere between eight or 12 grand on an event. And if they get one or two clients there, it, it pays for itself. Okay. Right, yeah. And, um, and for the last 7,500 years, you're not going to get somebody to hand over a seven figure nest egg without looking you in the eye and shaking your hand. Okay. So <clears throat> we began, uh, making some changes. Now they had already made a big change in the marketplace in that instead of just being a financial advisor, cause there's a million of those, right. Mm-hmm. They started calling themselves a fully integrated professional network. Okay, so he's got a team of people that includes CPAs, that includes estate planning attorneys and elder law attorneys and 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 government benefits specialists, financial advisors, insurance brokers, stockbrokers, all of this because your whole retirement plan, all these things have um repercussions, right? You might get great mm-hmm. tax advice from your accountant. Hey man, if you're really old and, and uh, you, you can gift up to $15,000 to one of your grandkids without any kind of tax implications. That's true. That's good advice. But if you get sick within the next five years, they're going to hold that against you. Hmm. And Medicare is not going to pay uh, to help you until that number is, is suffice. So sometimes depending on what's going on, that could be a really bad idea, but your accountant mm-hmm. wouldn't know it. So that's the... Um, so that's so that's the uh, th- that's the the power of the fully integrated professional network, and there's nobody else saying that out in the marketplace. The second thing that we did is cr- we 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 turned them into a um, what you would call uh, we positioned them as an a thought leader in the marketplace through switching their whole process of doing business over to digital. And so they've adapted to the digital platform and that changed the protocol and the progression of the way that they get their brand to market. So as I told you before, you know, they go through all that stuff with the mailer, the live event, they get the contact information after the event, and then they start a string of uh, like eight meetings and that's where they get to know you and figure out if they can offer help. But Mm -hmm. now that we've we've recorded webinars and we've got all this kind of value bomb content on there and they're making relationships online before people even come in to meet them or get on zoom Mm -hmm. to meet them right so they've nobody else in this space is in their feed is in the customer's feed and nobody else is is giving all the information all the questions that their competition is sick of answering we put that in a video format and you just go to their website and click on it and get the answers okay they're where their competition isn't blue ocean in your feed blue ocean so Mm -hmm. this is this is what's this is what makes the difference guys uh just some other really big examples the dodge minivan 
Okay. Okay. At one point, years and years and years ago, we called them the big three. It was Ford, it was GM, and it was Chrysler. Those are the three big auto manufacturers. Together, they owned, you know, some insanely big amount of the pie of automobiles that are sold Mm -hmm. in the United States. Okay. Now, today, Chrysler, I don't even think they're even in the top 10 in terms of overall sales because Mm -hmm. you've got Toyota, you've got Nissan, you've got Hyundai, you've got all these other brands that are beating them. However, they're they're still own over 50% of the minivan market share. (laughs) Of the top five minivans sold in this country, they got two of them. Wow. Okay. Of the top five, number one and number five. So because they were first, they created a brand new lane that didn't exist. And that happened in 1983. Hmm. Y'all. So it's 38 years later, they still dominate because they were first because they created a new lane that didn't exist. So the quality doesn't matter. And I'm assuming when I say this, I'm, I'm presuming you're competitive and you got great quality. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's going to matter is how your position beta max was better than VHS. Didn't matter. It was better quality. Didn't matter. They didn't have the positioning. They didn't have the titles. So that's your proof guys that in the marketplace, better positioning means more people are going to hear you and understand you and have a place to put you in their mind. And you're not going to be competing in their mind with other sound alike artists. Okay. Mm -hmm. Zero positioning means that you're going to be judged by the marketplace's noise on the radar screen. Or like you said, Kenny me, or, you know, some, some, some lesser version of the artist that they really love that you're mm-hmm. trying to do it in. So I want you to think about that. Like, how do you do it? Sometimes it can be physical. Sometimes it could be sonic. Sometimes it can be just the, the, uh, you know, how you're putting that music, where, where is that music coming through? And right now, easiest place in the world is be where the major labels aren't, which is in your feed. Mm-hmm. Major label artists only get in your feed because one of your friends shared it. Or because you shared it. It's not because they're being put there. So it's still a blue ocean and digital marketing is the way to do that, guys. So listen, if we can help you with that, reach out to us at info at Daredevil Production and we will be happy to set up a conference call and talk about how we can help you get your art in front of new eyeballs and not have to compete against the majors and, and make some serious, serious moves. And to help you rewire your whole head, we have a, a major document that is absolutely free. It's a PDF document called Whoever Owns the Traffic Rules the Road. These are the secrets to unlocking the digital platform and getting ahead and learning how to honor the digital platform. Just go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com, and tell us where to send it. It's all yours, okay? So awesome. – um, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode, guys. Join the Climb community. Share this podcast with a friend. Subscribe or, or follow the podcast. And we'll see you next week. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. Ooh,